by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. When I was about eight years old, I was at my grandpa's house. You know, I've told you about him down there in Shaw, Mississippi, and he came home one day and he had this little sign out on the street that said pecans for sale because, you know, he would shake those trees and get all the pecans, try to make a little extra side money. And uh, he came in the house one day. He says, I can't see that sign from the street there, boy. You'll put a good painter, ain't you? You'll put a good painter. Won't you paint me a big sign? I got a piece of, got a, a sheet of plywood out there in the barn, boy. Won't you go out there and paint me a sign? I was happy to have an assignment, you see. So I went out there and I got some white paint and I painted that whole big I guess it was four by eight sheet of plywood. And then I let it dry. Then I got some black paint, and I just fancied myself a Picasso or something, you know. And I wrote on there real careful and nice, uh, the best I could at eight years old, you know, pecans for sale. And then I realized that I don't only wrote pecans for sale about that big on a four by eight sheet. So then I wrote on there with a big, Black paintbrush by B Y Guy G U Y Chef. And then I ran out of room. It was like, my guy Chef. And so I put it out on the street. Later that evening, my papa comes home again. He went somewhere else. He said, Hey, little boy, what are you doing out there? <laughs> he said, I don't see anything about the pecans, but I see bagashu. <laughs> Why do I tell you this story? You'll find out later. Anyway, Psalms 25.4 says, Show me the right path. O Lord, point out the road for me to follow. You understand, not everybody's seeking the right path. I mean, that's not hard to tell. Not everybody's seeking the path to righteousness. Jeremiah, he laments in chapter 6, 16, he says, this is what the Lord says, stop at the crossroads and look around. Say crossroads. In other words, just don't blow through the crossroads of life. You, you better stop at the crossroad and make up your mind which way you're going. He says, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Now, there's a lot of newfangled ways out there today. But you can't go wrong with the old godly way. You can preach a thousand messages, but it better come from the old godly way. He says, travel its path, and you will find rest for your soul. There's the path to travel, the old godly way. But you reply, no, that's not the road that we want. I posted a watchman over you who said, listen for the sound of the alarm, but you replied, nope, we won't pay attention. In other words, people just like to blow through the crossroad and make up their own mind. There's a crossroad down there on Highway 61 in Clarksdale, Mississippi. It's the 61 where the 49 crosses. Does anybody know why that's significant? There's a, have you ever been there? There's a big old sign that they've erected 
saying the crossroads. Because there was a there was a man, probably over a hundred years ago now, named Robert Johnson. He was a blues musician. When he was in his early teens or whatever, he would go into the juke joints where they had the blues musicians jamming and they'd play a set and the people would dance and all that. And when they'd get through playing, Robert Johnson would pick up the guitar and he'd start playing. And people would be like, oh, can y'all get him off the guitar? That's terrible. He was known for running people out of the nightclubs. They tried to keep him off the guitar, but he loved the guitar. But legend has it, now I say legend, I don't know for sure. I don't know if any of us can know for sure, but legend has it that he had a friend that learned how to play guitar sitting out in the cemetery at night, sitting on the tombstones. And legend has it his friend had made a pact with the devil. Well, this Robert Johnson, he runs off. They don't hear from him for like six or seven months. Nobody knows where Robert Johnson went. But when he came back, He's playing guitar like one of the best blues guitar players that ever lived. In fact, they call him one of the fathers of the blues. And his music's still legendary. Them old 19, I don't know what it was, the 20s or 30s or 40s or something like that, recordings are still popular today. People like Eric Clapton, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and, and all have copied Robert Johnson's playing. And the legend has it, he went down to the crossroads and he sold his soul to the devil. For the ability to play music. Isn't that something? Is that possible, you think? It's just a, it's a legend as far as I know, but could you sell your soul to the devil? I imagine you could if you wanted to. But all of a sudden, he's, he plays real good. But guess what? His life never really changed. He stayed on a sin path. He died at the age of 27. You, know, you want to know how he died? He was uh, cheating with some guy's wife, and the guy gave him some poison whiskey. Took him like three days to die in agony and pain. He, he basically gave up his own soul for a shot at this world. Who does that? The lyric to one of his songs I wrote down as he was singing after, after this alleged Decision at the crossroads. Got to keep moving. There's a hellhound on my trail. That's the trail Robert Johnson chose. And the snake hisses. You knew what I was when you picked me up. You remember that from Sunday? You knew what I was when you picked me up. He only lived 27 years. You know he was never famous in his lifetime. He didn't experience all what the devil had promised him. Not all of us are so brazen at the crossroads. But many of us just think, well, I'm not, I'm not so stupid as to, you know, let the devil, I'm not going to sell my soul to the devil, but maybe I'll just make my own crossroads. I'll, I'll just make my own path. Guess what? That, that's the same path that Robert Johnson was on. It just may take you a little longer to get to the grave. There's only one path that we can take. Does anybody know where, what the right path is? path of righteousness for his namesake. Thank you. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, 
You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. I don't guess anybody told ACDC that. And its gates is wide for the many who choose that way. Do you see that? They chose that way. God didn't make them go that way. Nobody forced them to go down the highway to hell. They chose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only few ever find it. Well, it doesn't sound like God's promoting this real big, does it? It seemed like he would say, well, the, the highway to heaven, my highway, it's, it's gold highway. You know, get up on it, and nothing will ever happen. And it's easy to find. It's shining. It's got lights all the way down. It's, you know, it's a beautiful highway, super highway. But no, God says it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult road. It's hard to find, and, and there's only going to be a few people on it. But guess what? It's the only way. It's the only bridge that's going to bridge the gap between a holy God and puny little mankind. It's the only way. It's our only choice. You can choose the devil's highway, or you can choose your own highway, same highway. Or you can seek after God and find that straight and narrow you guys know all that. Proverbs 3, 6 says, Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path which to take. The thing is, you've got to seek his will. If your will is involved, you will never get on the, pow- the highway to heaven. You'll always be on that broad highway that everybody else is on because they're seeking whose will? Their will. You have to seek God's will, and then he'll show you. We all eventually stand at the, the crossroads. Isaiah 65, 2 says, All day long I open my arms to a rebellious people, but they follow their own evil paths and their own crooked schemes. You remember uh, Moses? He dealt with some knuckleheads for like 40 years out in the wilderness. He, you know, he, he did all the miracles and the Red Sea and it parted, and he got them out, you know, and he, he delivered them, and it was an 11-day journey to the promised land, but they wouldn't follow God. They wouldn't take the right path, and he ended up having to just, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years in the wilderness. And that's where some of us may be. Some of you are saying, why didn't life ever get any better? It just seems like dry and weary all the time. Well, it's really only an 11-day journey <laughs> to the promised land if you stay on the straight and narrow, but they wouldn't do it. Well, Moses, after 40 years, you can imagine how exasperated he may be with the people by now. He's, had, he, he's gone through every emotion known to mankind in the Bible, if you read the story of Moses. He's pled for the people, offered his life in, on the people's behalf, and he's wanted to kill the people. Well, in uh, Deuteronomy 30, in verse 15, Now Moses is about to die. This is right before Moses dies. This is the last thing he says. He's just breaking it down. He says, you know what? I'm just going to make it black and white. This is as easy as I can put it. I've dealt with you knuckleheads. You've never grown up. You've never gotten any wiser. You've never followed the path of righteousness. He says, now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day, to love the Lord your God and to keep his demands and decrees and regulations. How? By walking in his ways. 
Or you could say walking in his path, right? Notice he says walking. The Christian experience, the life, is a, a, it's always notated by walking. You're walking with God because it doesn't, it, it's not a shuttle there. It's not a, a space shuttle like I have on that sign back there. It's, it's a walk with God day by day. And, you know, we can't make time speed up. We wish we could get to the end faster, but we have to walk this thing out day by day. And Moses is just breaking it down at this point. And, and I used to do that with my children, and, and Josh can attest. I would say something like, Josh, let me break it down for you, son. <laughs> you can keep whining and crying and trying to get your way, and I'm going to get to paddle this, on this hand. Look, at Josh, on this hand, you can keep whining and crying, and I'm going to get to paddling with your little buddy out here. But on this hand, if you stop crying and act right, you won't get a whooping. Which hand do you choose? Would you believe he always chose this hand? That's a good technique with your children because a lot of times in their mind, it's not black and white. It's not yes or no to them. When you break it down and say, okay, this is what will happen if you choose this hand. This is what will happen if you choose this hand. The decision all of a sudden becomes a lot easier to make. And, they, and neither child of mine ever chose the wrong hand. They never said, oh, I want to get a whooping. But in their mind up until that point, they felt like it was worth the risk. But if you'll break it down and make it black and white, and you might have to do it to yourself. Okay, here's the decision. I can go in that nightclub and I can have a good time and this and then and this and this will happen and then I'll be and then my wife and, and then I'm going this hand, you know. Put the hands out there and tell yourself where is that path leading? It, when you're at the crossroads, you need to know which direction you're going. There needs to be a sign that says, you know, if I'm going to Nashville, that says St. Louis. I don't want to take that one. I want to take the one that says Nashville. God always shoots straight with us. If we'll, if we'll read the Bible, he's not making no bones about it. He tells you what happens, black and white. Proverbs 14, 2, he says, Those who follow the, the right path fear the Lord. Those who take the wrong path despise him. Wow. He's not cutting no bones about it. If you love me, you'll follow my commandments. You'll walk with me. But if you don't, if you despise me, you'll go the other direction. And to walk with Jesus, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to get on the righteous path because that's the path he's on. He's never on the other path. You'll never find Jesus wandering over here. Well, I lost my way. He'll always be on the righteous path. He was so intent on righteousness that he got baptized when he was here. You remember that? John the Baptist said, I need to baptize you. You, you ain't never sinned. I mean, you need to baptize me because you ain't never sinned. You don't even need to be baptized. He said, we're going to do this to fulfill righteousness' sake. He was intent on fulfilling righteousness' sake. Jesus was always about righteousness. And it's a good thing because that was in Matthew 3. Guess what happened in Matthew 4? The Spirit drew him into the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil. You remember that story? He's out there in this dry and weary place, and he, he's led out there by the Spirit of God. And he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights, and then the devil comes to him when he's weak. Isn't that the way the devil usually does? 
The devil will wait till you just wore out, tired, can't feel like you can't go no more, and he'll just say, come on, follow me. I'll make it all right. Look, look, just make these stones into some bread and go on and eat. But Jesus knew what the Scripture said. He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then he takes him up on the, the top of the, what's it called, the temple? From the pinnacle of the temple. And he looks down and he says, if you're the son of God, he keeps, if you're the son of God, he keeps trying to get Jesus to show off and show his superpowers, you know. And he, he's trying to get Jesus to get in pride. And he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will catch you. They, you, won't even, you won't even bust your toenail. You know what we were talking about earlier, Keith? You won't, you won't even scratch your toenail on the, on the ground. The angels will bury you up and keep you from any harm. And what did Jesus say? He said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And then he took him, uh, ooh, I forgot a part. Back when I said uh, Satan always tries to catch you at a weak moment, I was going to tell you that we got to be building up our spiritual man. We don't need to get weak spiritually. We may be tired physically, but we can never afford to be weak Spiritually, Psalms 27, 11 says, Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path for my enemies are waiting for me. You know what? There's enemies on that straight and narrow. They're waiting for you. You, you may say, well, I walked a wide path to destruction and it don't seem like I got any enemies. I got a bunch of friends on that path. We're all heading in the same direction. Well, your enemy's coming. At the end, he's not bothering you right now because you're heading right where he wants you to go. But if you're on that straight and narrow, he's trying to get you to turn around. He's trying to get you to hop off the straight and narrow. So your enemy is coming, and we have to stay built up. And we got to set uh, like guardrails. I know Angie taught a series on guardrails with the, with the youth, and that's so good. we got to put guardrails on the path. We got to think beforehand. What happens if the devil comes and says this? You got to know what God says. You see, if, if Jesus would have been sitting there and the devil called him and said this and this, and he didn't know what the word said, he'd be, okay, I'll, I'll just jump off. <laughs> you know? No, he knew what the word said. You got to put up guardrails. You got to know what your answer is before you get there. That way, if you, if, 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 temptation comes, you know I'm not crossing that line. No, I've already made up my mind. I'm never going that way. I know where the path is, and I'm staying on it. And, I, and Tom's probably sick of me telling this story on him, and he never gave me permission to, but I've done it about six times already, so I guess seven won't hurt. But I remember him teaching this at the jail one time. Well, he was just saying, he just, uh, a passing comment, and I've taken it and blown it all out of proportion. But Tom said one time, when he goes to Walmart, there's a section in Walmart that's got some magazines in a rack. And the girls are lifting weights or bikinis or something along those lines. And he said, I never even, I don't go down that aisle. He says, I avoid that aisle. He won't go down that whole aisle of Walmart to avoid that temptation. That's a guardrail. He's putting up guardrails so that he's not even brought into a place of temptation. He already knows what the answer is before he gets there. Some of us, we may go down that aisle on purpose and hope we accidentally see it, <laughs> you know. 
<clears throat> well, it was an accident, God. I've been by here 65 times, but it, I didn't mean to look at it, <laughs> you know. But no, I thought that was such a great example of guardrails in your life. Psalms 25, 12 says, Those who fear the Lord, who, who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path that they should choose. You've got to fear the Lord, like he said. Look, I love him too much to hurt him, and I'm too scared to not obey him. I fear the Lord. What, what he said is true. I fear the Lord. I used to fear my daddy when he'd get that big belt out. My, my papa, when he got that big belt out, I was gone. It's okay. Fear is a good motivator. And I fear the Lord. I, I, I can't, man, I dread when I do something bad. Boy, I mean, I, I know there's forgiveness and everything, but I don't play with it. I don't play in it. Anyway, then, we get, then he got to the pinnacle of the temple. And, and you know, that's like, being at the top of the temple, you, you might feel an inclination. He might come to you when you're feeling prideful. Things are going well. I'm at the top, you know. Might be in a church. <laughs> you know, like I said, being a Christian is not a license to sin. Some people think it is because I'm a Christian. Now I got, I, my sins are forgiven. I can go ahead and sin. Well, Apostle Paul begs to differ. He said, uh, God forbid, you know, now that I've been set free from sin, I'm not getting back into it. And then uh, he takes him finally to a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world and he says, if you'll bow down and serve me, I'll give you all this stuff. And that's a path, that's a, that's a temptation that many people, get many people off the path of righteousness. A desire for the stuff of this world. A desire and a lust for the things of this life. The devil shows you, look, I can make you rich. Look, I can make you famous. Look, I can give you all this if you'll bow down and worship me. And some of us not knowing, we do this. We, we, we head in a path to fulfill our worldly, fleshly lust without considering what God would have us do. And we're hopelessly confused and lost. And we get in positions and we wonder why Life is not doing right. Matthew 4.10, Jesus said it to them. Jesus said it to Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. He said, get thee hence, Satan. In other words, get behind me. What is he saying? Why would he want Satan behind him? I think what he's saying is, get behind me because I'm not following you. You need to follow me. If he's behind, then he needs to be the one doing the following. Because he says, I am the way. You follow me. I don't follow you. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Say, follow the Lord's path. Psalms 32, 8 says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Proverbs 2, 8 says, he guards the path of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. He guards and protects you. Psalms 119.35 says, Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. All that other stuff promises happiness, but just brings sorrow. 
Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives. It may not happen overnight. You may not jump on the path and, and everything's going great at once, but you can know once you get on that path, you're, lead, you're leading to life, and you're finally off the path to death. So that was basically a recap of what I preached Sunday, right? Obedience. And you guys are probably saying, come on, Pastor, can we ever get past this, this path stuff and this righteousness stuff? Well, we're, we are. We're at the part where it says, for his name's sake. That's why we do this, for his name's sake. You know, me and Angie went to Chick-fil-A, uh, I think it was earlier this week, maybe Monday or something, and it had been one of those days. Y'all ever have one of those days? It just seemed like everything was going wrong, and I just was in one of those foul moods in the first place. I don't know what was wrong with me. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and everything was going wrong, and, and I was just frustrated at life. And we got there, and somebody, I, you know, just wants to pull in front of me while I can't even walk across the street, and I'm giving them the eye, you know. To put a, make a long story short, I walked up in the uh, Chick-fil-A now as a pastor, and I was ready to snap. <laughs> I was ready to blow up on somebody. I'm serious. How is that going to look on the evening news? The pastor snaps at the Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I was about to snap. But I didn't. You know why? I thought to myself, and Angie, with the help of Angie, you are a pastor. Why don't you get a hold of yourself or you do something you'll regret? People, you know, for his name's sake. She may have put it more like, for the love of God. <laughs> <coughs> but for his name's sake, you got to get a hold of yourself. You can't, you can't dig that old man back up and snap at the Chick-fil-A. Now, if you're at the Burger King, okay. I mean, if you're at Kentucky Fried Chicken, I snap every time I go, but <laughs> never at the Chick-fil-A. You're bad if you snap at the Chick-fil-A. Those are nice people. You know why? Because we bear the name Christian. And that means little Christ. We're supposed to be set an example for the lost people that we're, little, we're like little Jesuses in the earth. We're supposed to be like him, walking the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, my daddy, I don't know when it was, about 30 years ago, he got a hold of one of them little metal engraver things, started writing his name. You, isn't it true? Everything my daddy had, he had engraved his initials, his name, his address, his phone number. I'm talking about his underwear. <laughs> you know, I had a four-wheeler of his. He had, he had wrote his name on the plastic guard on the four-wheeler. I sold a, one of his 22 rifles one time, had his name and address engraved in the side, the metal of a 22 rifle. He got a hold of that thing. He put his name on everything. And you know what? God has spiritually engraved his name in our heart. On our foreheads. Really? He has called us by his name. You know, back in the old days when something was stamped, made in the USA, that meant something. That meant quality, didn't it? But to have that logo made in the USA, you knew you was buying something worth the extra. 
Do people, when they see a Christian today, do they know that that's something special? I told my kids, you know, when they played sport, if they, if they put Sheffield on the back of that jersey, you better get out there and hustle. You better do your best. I, you better not, uh, you know, be out there whining and crying and shaming the name of Sheffield. My daddy taught me that, you know, and your daddy probably taught you that. Don't go up into Walmart whining and crying. I'll whoop you all. Boy, you know, don't embarrass our family name like that. <clears throat> Why? Because we're representing the Santucci name, right, Tony? You represent Your kids back there, they're representing you. They bear the name Santucci, or used to. All right, there you go. See, you taught her well, Tony. God took a huge risk putting his name on us. What was he thinking? I don't question many things God does, but what was he thinking? I, I would not put my name on. I'd put my name on you guys. But that's about it. Most of them Sunday folks, I wouldn't put my name on you. No, I'm just... <laughs> I certainly wouldn't put my name on, well, let's just say I wouldn't put my name on everybody. But he calls us ambassadors. He does. He puts his name right smooth on us. Good, bad, and ugly. And he gets a lot of ugly out of it. I mean, look at all the things they say about Christians these days, and a lot of it's deserved. Not all of it is, but some of it. But I believe God believes in us when we don't even believe in ourselves he's a god of the turnaround it may look bad for christians right now in america but the christians are going to turn around they're going to get back on the right path and and he's sending messages like these hard messages i've been preaching to get us back on the path so that we can do great things for his name he likes to see a turnaround you know you it's like you got a Bad news bears team, but you whip them up in shape and you teach them to believe in themselves and before you know it, they're winning championships and that's the most fulfilling of all. And that's what God is doing with us. He's trying to get us to see, man, I'm going to put my name on you and I'm going to believe in you when you don't believe in yourself. And you're going to do great and mighty things in my name. Psalms 8, let's turn there. We're going to read the whole thing. It's 462 scriptures. Just kidding. Psalms 8. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. One of the ways it fills the earth because there's Christians all over this earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all those who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers and the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should even think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Who are we? We're not as big as an ant underneath your foot, really, to God. I mean, seven billion of us down here, why would he care about any of us? What if any of us have to offer God? Why would he put his name on any of us? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting everything under their authority. 
You know, sometimes I don't think we understand how highly God views us. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and everything that swims in the ocean currents. Oh, Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. He's given us dominion down here. He's put a lot of trust in us. And he's taken a big risk for it. Can you imagine putting your name? You've had employees. A lot of you have your own business. You've had employees, and you give them a T-shirt with your company logo on there. Boy, you're taking a risk. That guy could really mess your company up. You put trust in somebody. It's the same way God has put trust in us. And his name is a name above all names. You understand that? We're called Christians. We're Jesus followers. And Jesus is the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, what happens? Every knee bows and every tongue confesses to the glory of God. He's called by a lot of other names in the Bible. A lot of them are just so that we can kind of comprehend the traits of God, the characteristics of our God, so that we can see a broader picture of who he is. He, I mean, if we could go on, we could talk about the names of God for hours. I'm going to tell you a few of them because if we're called by his name, then we're called to represent him according to his characteristics. Wouldn't you agree? If you have your business and this is the way you tell your employees, look, you're representing my company and this is the way we want our company represented. This is who I am as a person. This is the way I want my business represented. Well, God is saying, this is who I am. This is my highway. And this is how I want you to act on it. Are we representing? One of the names, Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I've got, I've got scriptures for all these. If you want to get with me after, I can show you where they're at. The Lord will provide. Are we providers for our family? Do we provide for the house of God? Do we take care of those in need, family members? Are we providers? That's how we can demonstrate his character and give glory to his name. He's called Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. Do we bring a healing presence whenever we go? Do we heal strife and division? And do we point people to the blood covenant? Say, by your stripes, Jesus is healed, and, and point them to the, to the head physician. He's called Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. When you hold up that banner, it's like a rallying place. We all run to it, you know. Do you uphold the cause of Christ? Are you rallying other people to follow God? Are they encouraged? Do they see, see you walking through your schools and stuff? holding up the banner for Christ when nobody else will, meeting at the pole when nobody else, oh, that's stupid, or going to your Bible study that you, you started and only two people show, well, listen, I feel your pain. Sometimes it feels like you walk that road alone. But walk it. Walk it, no matter who else does, because you're here to please an audience of one. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters is that you please him. So lift up that banner and don't be ashamed. It don't matter what anybody else is doing. It matters, but you can't control everybody. He's the Jehovah M. Kadesh, the Lord who sanctifies and makes holy. That's found in Leviticus 28. He, he's holy and he sanctifies. Are you? Can people tell that 
you're in the process of sanctification in your life? Can they tell you're getting closer to God and being made into His image and there's holiness coming into your life? You're not going backwards. You're moving forward. They can tell there's improvement. He's our Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. When you walk into a room, does the tension rise? Or is there a, oh, Dan's here. Brings a calming presence. He brings peace because he brings the peace of the Lord with him. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Can people feel that presence in your life? Is he there? Is he just... Some of us, it's hard to tell we're even Christian. You had to dig deep to find. I mean, you'd have to get four lawyers to dig it out. <laughs> Jehovah Roy, the Lord our shepherd. And that's what we've been talking about, right? He's our shepherd. Do people have to ask you if you're a Christian? Or is it obvious that you're following the great shepherd? And then the last one I wrote down, and there's so many more, is Jehovah Sid Canoe, the Lord our righteousness. And that's what we're talking about. Are you walking the path of righteousness for his name's sake? Are we reflecting all the characteristics that we know are in the Lord Jesus Christ in his, for his name's sake? God didn't, you know, give us his name flippantly. You know what I mean? It just wasn't on a whim. He adopted us. You don't, that's not a light decision. To adopt someone that is a choice that has to come directly from the heart of God I believe for us to adopt someone here in, in the natural it would have to come from the heart of God to, to have a heart to do that to rescue someone a child to bring them into your family and to call them your own and Ephesians 1 4 says even before he made the world God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. In other words, he didn't want to see all the junk that we see about each other. He chose to look at us through the blood of his son, Jesus. And God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. He adopted us. He didn't just say, you can be my servant. You can hang out with me. I'll call you a friend. No, you're my son. You're my daughter. From now on, from here to long past eternity. So I painted that sign. Peanuts, pecans for sale. Bye, guy, shit. Why did I do that? Well, first of all, I was eight years old. But even at eight years old, there was something I knew that painters always signed their masterpieces. They always put their name on a masterpiece. And that's what I did. I filled the rest of that thing up with, by gosh, if. And Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. And God has signed his name big and bold all the way across our lives and in our hearts. Everything to do with us. 
He has signed his seal of approval. You are mine. I've adopted you. You belong to my family. Get you a jersey with my name on it. Get you a robe of righteousness and put Christ on the back of it. Jesus's. We need to choose our past carefully. Man, we bear the responsibility to bring light into this world. He says, you are the light of the world. When he was here, he said, I am the light of the world. But now he says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill which cannot be hid. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Let my light shine. Let my name shine to this generation. There's only one way out of this journey in life, this this thing we call life. There's only one way, and, and Jesus said, I am the way. So when you get to that crossroads, you got to make that decision. Don't do it flippantly. Maybe if you've been on the, the highway to hell for 75 years, but you hear this message tonight, you say, it's time to get off that highway. God is just that faithful that he'll put you on the path to righteousness no matter where you're at. The thing is, there's only one path. There's only one way. It ain't many ways. It ain't, well, I'll do a little my way. Then when I get older, maybe I'll get on the right path. No, it's one path. You remember, I'll close with this. Moses, he had done the, God had done the miracles through him and all the plagues and stuff that went on. And Pharaoh was like, fine, just get out of here. You killed my firstborn. You know, leave, go, we don't want to see you no more. And so they left. They had all the stuff, and they left, and they were so excited, and they went straight to where? The Red Sea. God told them to go there, and they went to the Red Sea, and they camped by the Red Sea. But then that old devil Pharaoh, he changed his mind. I'm not letting them get away. Let's get them. And so he mustered all his troops together, and they come riding after him. And I mean, this is the defenseless Israelites. They don't have weapons or whatever. They just, they've been slaves for 400 years. They're walking out, and they got a bunch of stuff and some mules and donkeys and carts and stuff, and, but their back is against the Red Sea, and now this huge army is about to wipe them out. And there's no way that they can see how, what are we going to do? And then God steps in with a tornado and comes down in between them and keeps the, the Egyptian army from wiping them out. And God, on the other side of that, that tornado, says to Moses, Moses, get that stick and stick it in the Red Sea, and I'll part that sucker for you. And he does. And the water parts. And he makes a dry path through the Red Sea. It says in Psalms 66, verse 6, he made a dry path through the Red Sea. There's only one path, and it's through the blood of Jesus. And his people went across on foot, and they rejoiced where? In him. That's the only path. You got to come by the blood and you got to be in him. But once you do, you make it to the other side and you rejoice. 
And all those people that tried to follow a different path, they didn't make it. They can't make it. There's only one way. Bow your head and close your eyes. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.